Welcome to another episode of First Time Films. Yes, I am back. I'm back again. But it only seems I am on when it happens to be a black originated film. But oh well, let's move on this topic in hand. Oh, yes, I am your host today. I am Kwaku. And today I have gathered a set, an absolute set from the hood, who is going to talk about boys in the hood. So without further ado, let me introduce my posse. First up, he is the man with the plan. The man that will always gather up the weapons, make sure we're going in hot. It is Jackie Higgins. Jack, what up? How you doing, my man? I'm absolutely smashing, mate. Yeah. Uh, And I absolutely love that little dig at Truffles there. I think um, (laughs) more black representation across the FTT FTT (laughs) films uh, and give somebody else a job because Jackie's very, very busy. So he's got a, a lot on his plate. You know how it is, you know how it is. He was uh, briefly mentioned there, coming up next, as a man who, when he was sat in his home in Erskine, Alexis rolled up and he thought this was the guy telling him that he's got into Glasgow Uni. No, it turned out to be me just telling him he was a prick. It is troubles himself, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> I need to tell this story. I'm, I'm going to ignore the fact that the, the accusations that have been levelled against me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just going to wave to them as they pass by. Um, but anyway, I, was t- I told Jack this story before we came on and he said I had to tell it. So Wednesday, I was meeting a friend of the podcast uh, for his birthday, but I had a really stressful day that day, right? Um, and I was tickets to go and see old but I had to phone him. I was like, mate, old sold out. Like, the only thing they have on is Space Jam 2. And I can hear his fucking disappointment down the phone, obviously. But he's uh, like, it's if fine. You knew, if you knew Kier, man, like, the Space Jam 2 is the last thing you'd expect him to see. He's like, <laughs> he, he loves all films and that. He's just... Oh, he, I, what's his favourite film, Tough? I bet you you wouldn't even know the name of it. I actually don't know. I, 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 probably... Uh, that uh, fucking left field. Anyway, it'd be, a mad, it'd be a bit of talking gerbil or something, but it was, like, shot... <laughs> In the tundra, uh, and it would be like dead slow motion. <laughs> that sounds like a classic. Yeah, right? That's the best like... bit you've ever had this podcast. <laughs> 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 anyway, so I would get. He's like, maybe it'll be so bad it'll be good, and I'm like, I'm not convinced, but okay. But basically, that night I was working really late. Went out to my car. Was going to be late anyway. Found my tire was basically flat, so I had to pump air in it. Hopefully, hope it just didn't fucking die on me in the motorway. Get there, chafing. In shorts, still in my clothes from work, working from home, barely say a word to him. I'm like, let's just get in the cinema, we'll talk there, man. I'll tell you about my fucking day and all that. We'll show the tickets to the women. She's like, I'm really sorry, Mr. Campbell, but you've actually booked tickets for tomorrow night. <laughs> 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 and oh, then dear. here's the kicker. I say, I turn to him, Jack, and I, I say to him, there's actually tickets left for Black Widow and he just looks at me and says, no. And I was like, pub it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. There we go. Well, let's make it up with your misfortunes with some talking about gangbanging and whatever have you. So, Guys, oh, I didn't realise it was that kind of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Press the red button now. Guys, uh-huh. full disclosure, right? I was hoping this would be, I would not do some stereotyping and whatever have you. Full disclosure, I've come to the worst start possible. So on my way here, I dropped my sister's car off and she has kindly made some dinner for me to eat because she knows I was coming straight onto this. 
what has you made? Fried chicken. Let's get over it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I had to get it out there. Folks, boys in the hood, you've seen it now. Was it the first time you've seen it for the podcast or have any of you seen it before? Not first time for me. Um, I had kind of heard the story. Like It's one of those ones that is referenced so often that... Uh, you kind of already know the story before you start, particularly with Ricky's character, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I knew what was going to happen, but uh, and I didn't really take away from it at all. I thought it was mm-hmm. absolutely class. And uh, I'm just going to be the most boring bastard, right? Because I'm on a show to talk about a film. I'm on a podcast, obviously, to talk about a film. And, like, all I can say is that it was class <laughs> because I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, I genuinely don't. I was thinking about things that I was going to say when I came on and I was like, I don't even know what makes it class. It's just fucking class. Like, mm-hmm. and I will, I will probably maintain this uh, persona for the rest of the podcast. Well, mm-hmm. like, it was class. I really, I just enjoyed it from start to film, finish. Uh, just one of the films that, like, I don't know. You just really enjoy watching it, and there's you can't, you, nothing really amazing's happening. Like, nothing particular is is blowing me away. But I'm just, uh, it was great. Uh, just like Jack, I enjoyed this uh, finish from start to film as well, uh, and I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about it. I'll <laughs> <laughs> no, be honest, right, I knew I would like this movie, but I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. Like, see these, see when you try and write a script, right, and you say to yourself, oh, I'm going to make sh- the events happen over the course of, it's essentially two days, like, it's like, it's like, a day when they're younger and a day when they're older. That's yeah. so hard to And these slice-of-life movies live and die on the strength of the characters that you write, but also the strength of the actors that you cast. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what makes this special, is that it's a really, really, really strong script from John Singleton. Um, and the fact that he was the youngest person uh, ever to be nominated for Best Director for this, and the first African-American to be nominated for Best Director as well earned. But the performances in this movie, I'm sure we'll get into it a bit more. They're mm-hmm. they're nothing short of outstanding. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, exactly. you know, Trav, Trav, you're right. The, the script is uh, pretty decent, and I think the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, but you're right that the actors certainly just bolstered it out because the writing for me wasn't something that I would ever, I don't know, I, I guess it, it definitely captivates that area of of uh, central LA and the kind of ideas that you would expect come to expect because none of us have obviously lived in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with everything that we hear um, coming from from the west, like you just think that you know it's it's obviously awful, but to have it kind of shown to you in a a nineties vibe, um, you know, particularly when it was there was some trouble happening. So I think it it does for me really captivate that kind of you know what I would imagine that time to be like and um it wasn't I don't know it was quite hard hitting at times like um you know very much yeah you know that way like even with the the black police officer I just thought um I I guess I wasn't even expecting that I almost thought like he would have been you know uh one of the brothers to you know uh for the guys in the street but the fact Mm -hmm. that you know the way he spoke to him was just a disgrace and you just wonder you know how many people are there? Like, how many are there? Well, um, that, you know. that's see the one they were hitting on because it's amazing that this film was kind of made in the early 90s and we're still having the same conversation, if not stronger, 
So oh, yeah. Yeah, 30 years right. on, we're still having a conversation. What essentially they were highlighting is how institutionalized um, authority can be. And the fact that you can literally be somebody that was uh, oppressed or got like bullied on or whatever growing up, when you then join that system, you effectively become what you mold into it. And that's something that they were trying to kind of hit with that. And with the way Trey got the gun pointed at him and stuff, it's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. tough. And so, yeah, it was a really hard time to film. It hit me in different ways, and naturally, like just from my personal lived experience. I mean, not, I've, I've not experienced like guns or stuff like that, obviously. Well, uh, not obviously, but you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. I have, I have experienced things of a nature that that would they are alluded to. So, yeah, they definitely carried the message there. So, I think we're going to kick off with because it's only right. They kick off with kind of like ten ten year old them. So mm-hmm. when they're all and young and uh, before high school, so preschool in America, or primary school over here. And you kind of see them kind of growing up in that environment. And it's kind of hard hitting with like what they have to deal with. And they, what I just remember when at the stars, you want to see something and you just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And it leads to a murder scene. Like, what, how did that get hit you guys? It was kind of to me like. We basically got like the movie Stand By Me within like the first five minutes, like except in a completely different context. Because the movie Stand By Me, they're all trying to, the kids are basically them seeing a dead body, then signals the loss of innocence and growing up. We get that right at the start, and it really hits on to me the fact that like kids in this neighborhood don't have a choice but to grow up really quickly because mm-hmm. this isn't sort of a random dead body in the woods that shows up every so often. This mm-hmm. is real life and this is, you know, constant a constant struggle for them. So I really liked that sort of parallel there between mm-hmm. that. I thought that was really, really clever. And to be honest, like child actors, they're always hit and miss, but I thought these child actors played it off really naturally. And it's what we're saying about the script. You don't really think about the script because it does sound sort of true to life, it does sound so natural um, and I thought this early doors uh, bit, the child actors really played it well, of course bolstered by the only two real adult actors at this point which are Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne who I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more later <laughs> on but they're both phenomenal. Oh, my man Lawrence man fuck you, so good I loved it, honestly big Lawrence Fishburne fan, out to my man Fish. Well we will, we will definitely Fish. I'm we'll sorry. let you have your first burn orgasm in that bit, guys. Don't you worry about that God one. Damn it, I was just about to finish. <laughs> well, Johnson's Johnson, go on before <laughs> you get there. No, no, get on. On you go. <laughs> no worries. Men always get to finish first. It's fine. You can win. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Alright, so obviously we do we do get that kind of scene going on. Um you kind of see the fact that Trey, um, you see that his mum kind of wants him to get the the father influence. And, you know, something, see with the recent debates and ongoings on that you hear about and stuff like that, that was another thing that kind of hit me was about having a father figure and stuff like that. And 
it's it's almost became um like a re, a a racial debate in itself. The whole like let me explain. So a lot of times when people say that oh um there's high knife crime, there's high gun crime in the high because these people don't have a father figure or something like that. And it's been used as like a racial as a racial reason as to why certain stuff is happening. So I don't know about you guys, but it certainly hit me when uh, Trey's mum uh, hit with that. I did did, did the same for you, Jack, at all? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess um, the first kind of bit we get, obviously, with Trey's mum and being educated and stuff as well, I think it's quite important for, for his character to see the environment that he's grown up, both from his mum and his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he gets that, I don't know, he's... he's in a great situation in the worst kind of place, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame for him, <laughs> you know, with so much potential there to, to almost be held back by, you know, the area he lives in. But of course, then you get every. I just like the, the complete difference of uh, of all the sort of main characters that we get. It's just exactly what you would expect of a small neighbourhood. Um, of course, it's known for being a violent one, but when I even just think of my own neighbourhood and the pals that I grew up with, you know, as young boys. It's just, it's funny just how that sort of coming of age transition, um, mm-hmm. you know, it does, it just takes you back and, and how you would speak to your pals and, and I don't know, uh, again, like yourself, you know, there wasn't really dealing with knives or guns at that time. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, again, it's a completely, um, I was going to say exaggerated, but not, of course, exaggerated, but very, you know, true and, and violent. Um, and like very existing as well uh, in this area of, of Compton and stuff. So I think, um, yeah, for me, it's good for good for Trey and being the yeah. sort of main protagonist. I think to mm-hmm. get that side of things in contrast to everybody else uh, in the neighbourhood. Exactly. I think that's that's so important. What you've said, Jackie, like he's in the best situation in the worst possible like place. Uh, you'd like that one, mm-hmm. mate. Uh, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's very good because that is it. But it shows you like we see like really good solid role models on both sides. But over the course, even when he's even in this first bit, even when he's ten, he's he's acting out in class. He's getting into fights. He's doing all this stuff he doesn't need to be doing. How he almost falls into that trap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the power of this movie is because we see there's other sort of ticking time bombs going off with this guy's dead. We know this guy's going to shoot this guy or do Doughball might get off, but Trey is the real one we're on the knife edge about because he's the one we're invested in. And we're just like, do not make this mistake. You're almost begging with him throughout the course of the movie. And I think that's set up in this first act really well. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And that's where we kind of see the strict rules that uh, Trey's father would hold him to. Um, and let me tell you this one for uh, African, uh, of African descent parents, you don't fuck with them, trust me when I say <laughs> <laughs> If they say the sky's green, it's green, okay? <laughs> you, nice. you, you don't go why, because <laughs> why you will be beaten as to why it is that. So yeah, because <laughs> Ange Postecoglou said so, all right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So there we kind of see, and it is literally that is the case. Is the 
uh, you do chores, you don't. Uh, the only thing they got to worry about is putting food on the table. That is so, 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 so true in that sense. Yeah, so we kind of do see, um, like, they don't go through the childhood and stuff. And it, we then, I'm going to skip on to, because I, I feel this is the nitty gritty when it starts to get juicy in this film. Um, we do get to the barbecue party, and this is where they transition into their 17-year-old selves. Now, this is where we see people like Doughboy and do like Ice Cube. I mean, I, I want to touch on Ice Cube, actually, because Ice Cube actually coming from a rap career going into acting, and this was kind of like one of the first films he did in his acting career. Can we touch on his performance? Uh, Truffles, what did you feel of Ice Cube's performance in this? He is a natural talent. Uh-huh. Like, he's, he's a natural actor. And it helps like when you're writing for someone who's inexperienced in acting, you give them a part that they can relate to. And obviously mm-hmm. Ice Cube can relate to this. He's worked the NWA. He was just only beginning his solo career, I believe only like two years before this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was early 1990s, first solo album came out. So yeah, this was really mm-hmm. Ice Cube breaking into the mainstream for himself. And mm-hmm. I think he puts in a class performance in this because it's pretty not one note but he does the job he has to do for most of the movie and it's not till the end we get to see some real vulnerability and emotion from him but in these early scenes he's still so captivating and everything he says just sounds so convincing you forget that you're in a movie when you're watching Ice Cube and the, the characters around him at that point and he carries the screen he's meant to be a star in this movie and he absolutely is Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. How about for you, Jack? Oh, I mate, completely agree. There's actually, I mean, Travels puts it so eloquently. Like, how can I follow that? Um, <laughs> but I think, no, he's absolutely spot on. I think he's class. Absolutely brilliant. You wouldn't, like, as a new actor, um, mm-hmm. as you said, stepping into that role, brilliant. Yeah. Well, the thing I find with Ice Cube is that he shows he has range in his acting, if that's yeah. the right word to use. So yeah. there we see him gangbanging and kind of showing like the the law of the hood and stuff. But my first film I saw of Ice Cube was Friday and Next Friday and Friday After Next. Yeah. Um, it's, if you guys have not seen it, you guys need to see it big time. It's so funny. I mean, I missed a question on Friday in the FCL this week. I definitely need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. Dude, I, what, out of interest, what, do you remember the question? The question was, um, which movie features characters such as like Smokey, Pastor Clever, and Debo? Friday. <laughs> I, I said, I said Barbershop just because I didn't. Oh, know. you! No, you failed. You failed. I know. You need to watch Friday. You need to watch Friday. Smokey. Really Smokey's played by Chris Tucker. Still a bit raw after he's lost, don't they? Wait, that was. A, I was. To be fair, that loss I didn't take is a bad. To be fair, like, yeah. it was. It was a, it's a good one. It was, it was a good match. Don't say to me, don't be don't talk. <laughs> Just know that you're a big celebrity truffles and you're on your podcast. You know your listeners. You know what the FCL listeners are listening. You know, you know if you're listening, Jack Higgins is pretty handsome, isn't he? Thanks. I hear you using the FCL forums saying how well, handsome Higgins is. Thanks. Well, the interesting, the interesting thing about the Friday series is that Ice Cube 
wrote it, directed it, and was the main actor in it. So he actually did. He was the cheese man. He was the big cheese. He was a big cheese, like, and that that film just holds as it's, it's it's just that one of those classics that I absolutely love. And so nice. there are always people that will quote something from Fred, the Friday films. And you, you, if you've not seen that, guys, you just need to see it because it really shows off. And um, well, not so popular was Daddy's. Um, uh, are we there yet, or something? I, I've not seen that. I've, I've not seen great reviews on it. But he's good in the jump. He's good in the Jump Street films to go for the really mainstream one that he's been in recently. He's he's decent in those as well. He's I don't funny. Really like the idea that Ice Cube is a cop though. It just doesn't really sit well with me. So no. always it's the irony, isn't it? Oh, the <laughs> irony. I'm like, you fucking betrayed your brothers. <laughs> no chance. I just got somebody say, fuck the. Oh no! Wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, for the police. We are the police. That's what he says. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was. Uh, I just wanted to touch on Ice Cube because, like, I love Ice Cube. I always wanted to touch on Ice Cube and all, but for the <laughs> <laughs> not my type. <laughs> I, I love his music and stuff. Yes, he does have controversial lyrics that hasn't stood the test of time. Um, oh, it's winning on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you just you just have to listen to No Vaseline to know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, we we I I digress. So we get to kind of see more of the product of growing up in the hood, and you still see like Trey's dad is, uh, although he's relaxed his his somewhat rulings about, he's made his teachings a bit more mature uh, for Trey growing up and stuff. Uh, there we do see that Trey does get into, they do get into an altercation at one of the car meets. Guys, yeah. what what did you feel of the car meets and everything and the way the violence kind of escalated? It was quite scary, that wasn't it? It was, especially coming off of the back of the scene before it really there's a great juxtaposition and contrast because you've got cooler heads prevailing with furious telling um trey and ricky you know about mm-hmm. this is what's happening here like this is how the system's against us and we can't be turning on each other that's not what we do and as soon as they go to the car meet uh, one of the blood guys bumps into him and everything's just about to kick off and you're like mm-hmm. these people are going to kill each other in the street because of this, you know, and it's it's that that's what you've got to bear in mind with this movie, is that it's telling you this this is the larger problem and it doesn't ignore that, but it also shows you the harsh reality. And this is the first time in the movie since don't forget he points the gun at Trey earlier on in the movie. Like mm-hmm. out in the street, the shotgun, yeah. that's the first time you see them. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't shy away from showing you that harsh reality and it could could have went so very quickly there. How Jack, how provoking is that? Can you imagine walking down Suckill Street, somebody in a Vauxhall Corsa, because it's going to be one of them, let's be honest, <laughs> a Vauxhall Corsa rolls down the window and just points the gun at you? What the hell would you do? No, I'd fucking rip it out of his hands and, and smack <laughs> or leave it. <laughs> standard. <laughs> standard. Standard, really. Standard. I mean, yeah. yeah. I just I have got a lot of respect for Trey. I think for the most part he deals with every situation correctly, and uh, apart from when there were wee guys, um, 
I felt that somebody should have, you know, helped uh, helped Doughboy out because Doughboy was on the deck getting battered off older boys. And I just thought, see if that was my mates, man. I don't care if I was a wee way, I'd just pure, I'd just get stuck in. You get battered. I'd get battered and took one to the team for my mate. <laughs> I can actually pers- personally attest to this, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, I would, I would just fight a losing battle. Why not? I guess I'm not sure entirely if a guy had a shotgun in my face, I would be thinking the same thing. But I think for the for the most part, you know, Trey he doesn't shy away because he's it's not how he's been raised, but mm-hmm. he's got a tough shell because of the environment, you know, mm-hmm. he's in. He's got a he can still be determined and, and well, you know, uh, what's the word I suppose with in, in touch with yourself and, and well respect yourself. But mm-hmm. you got a you still got to have a bit of loyalty to your pals and your yourself, and kind of stand up for yourself. Don't just like, you know, I don't know. Don't just completely ruin uh, everything. Because if you can't be a, you know, you can't, you can't be meek uh, in this kind of environment. You got to just not show weakness. So, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. See, at these points here, so these are like the two kind of flashpoints that kind of started what we know. I mean, spoiler alert here. We know what happens to some of the members of the team and whatever have you. Did you truffles? Did you think from that point you knew this is the start of the demise of some of the main characters that's going to be around? Yeah, it's very Shakespearean in its lead up. Like the mm-hmm. the tidy of the nineteen ninety one section. Hear me out, like because basically, you like such a white It's Shakespearean, Jack. If you fucking you know, listen, right? It's like Romeo and Juliet, and that's what he wants uh, you to think. You know yeah, what I mean? Like it basically, is like Ricky is playing the part of fallacy. Me. <laughs> You're a pathetic fallacy, but he's <laughs> <laughs> it's like that is, it's... Oh, now, 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 folks, don't make me roll up and bust a cat no, in your no, ass if you don't there's behave. There's anger in the air. I get. I'm, I'm, mate, I'm, I'm speaking to you on a different level here, on a Shakespearean level. Um, <laughs> uh, there's, there's I can't remember what it actually says, but there's something about anger in the air, and I think that's yeah. that's what you get for that. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Go on, make a point, idiot. <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. But then from that point onward, because audiences are so used to, like, we read that, we know that, you know what I mean? And like Jack said, you've seen this story with Ricky. You know what's going to happen to Ricky. Mm. The question then becomes, will Trey be a Romeo or will Trey make the right decision? And again, you can't. The dialogue's one thing, but the structure of this movie is like so sound on like so many levels, and that's what really drew it. Watching it, it's an actual masterpiece. See, talking about it, it's an actual masterpiece. This film, like, <laughs> no surprise about my rating. It's a ten out of ten. Rating. Like, it's honestly so good. Oh, there we go, there we go, folks. Yeah. So on that note, right. We actually know, I mean, you raised the Romeo Juliet there. We do know that Trey uh, has his girlfriend, Brandy, who she she's very religious. And let's, let's be, I mean, I, I, I think we've all had the birds and the bees chat by now. Basically, Trey wants to pump her, but Brandy doesn't want to put out. That's what's kind of happening because of religion and stuff like that. This is this kind of leaves Trey with that difficult decision of is he gonna be investing like does he choose the right path and invest in Brandy 
or does it go down the wrong path of going with, you know, the Crips and um, starting the violence and rivaling with the Bloods and stuff like that? So I guess this is like the the hood version of Romeo and Juliet. I, I wanted to kind of touch on. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's a de- hundred percent another parallel. It is that. <laughs> You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then I suppose we've got fucking Tibbles, the Bloods, gang running about, you know what I mean? Like the streets, Prince of Cats over there, you know what I mean? In fact, Whoa. one of them has a cat in the ha- their cat. We've, we've came across something here, I'm telling you. Well, okay, so see, on that, is the Crips the House of Montague or the House of Capulets? They are the Montagues, the, the, yeah, the Crips and the Montagues and the Capulets are uh, the Bloods, in this case, 100%, you there know, definitely. There we go. The Bowie, there's a dance called the Crip Walk, which um, you should, by the way, YouTube, because Crip Walk is quite cool how you do it and stuff. I'm now just thinking of the House of Montague dancing like that to some banging <laughs> hip hop music. A Crip Walk just sounds like how our mate McCann walks in real life, so I think I, I, think I already know this. Like. No. It's also known as the Sea Walk. It involves a lot of twisting of your feet and stuff. and it's really, really cool, so definitely check it out. Anyway, I thought I'd throw in some gangster whimsy in there for you guys. <laughs> on, <laughs> on that note, if you if you like, if you're a fan of the walks and all that, you should watch Monty Python's uh, Ministry of Silly Walks. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, also, I get that. That might be the antithesis of Boys in the Hood, Monty Python. <laughs> like, very honestly, that There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. On to on to the next thing we do. We do see obviously the as I said, the violence does flare up between the plants and crepes and that that's where we start to see the very serious side of it. And um, moved on from fighting in school right up to somebody brandishing an Uzi and shooting up in the air for everyone. Yeah, Uzi, that's that's what they call it. Now we we later on learned that Doughboy's uh, brother Ricky, he is due to get a scholarship or hoping to get a scholarship at one of the top universities because of his football playing. Uh, sorry, we're in UK American football, no, not football. Um, we do learn that now, guys. I don't know about you, right? See when that Lexus turned up at the street, didn't you think that was a drive-by? I thought it was a drive-by shooting. Yeah, I think that's when that's where it wants you to think. You know I think because we see the car going by so much. Because I've seen enough hood movies to know that if a car stops at the end of the street with the lights off, just stops there, it's a drive by, get inside and hide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. But that's the that was the thing about Doughboy uh, and the and the gang throughout it. Like mm-hmm. they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't back down. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They wouldn't do that. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when the windows roll down, I mean that's game over for me. And then for the guy to say, "Does Ricky live here?" I wouldn't say yes, <laughs> just in case, because I mean it's a bit too much. But it turned out this, the guy, the Lexus, was actually uh, one of the academics at a uh, university that was wanting to admit in Ricky. So we do see because this is a big thing in the hood. 
it's always there's always somebody like in these movies that all portrays uh, quite well, and the fact that people always like the the hood mentality. There are very seldom few people that actually like the hood mentality, and actually they just love it to survive it. It's not actually something they love. Everyone truly wants to actually come out of the hood and the hood mentality. So here was Ricky getting that opportunity. And you can tell he put on his best suits, his best shirt and tie. Um, I mean, they look shit, but anyway, that's another thing. Um, would, would you guys ever wear a shirt like that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if I, uh, let me rephrase that. Truffles, what day are you wearing that shirt and tie? <laughs> Listen, the style is very... Um... Very nineteen. Well, I'm actually wearing that shirt right now. <laughs> Clearly, Gap is still the major fashion outlet in this movie. <laughs> We're still firmly in 1991 at this point. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No my audience, Quacker. Oh my God. No, fair play, fair play. I I, I just realised, when I was asking the question, I realised I was asking the wrong people this. But Oh well, there we go. He got admitted to um, University of South Car- um, California, so big, big time univ—big um, time university. He's going to be in SoCal, um, get his scholarship on under football. So we then see that under the American system, he has to get do such as SATs, which I do have. Does anyone know what SAT stands for? Um, I think it's a standardised admissions test. Uh, I just heard somebody viciously. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> from Google that it could be a standardised yeah, admissions test. test. <laughs> I've actually took the SATs. Um, they're not. They're not all they're cracked up to be. They're just a, a wee English and maths test, and it's pretty basic and. Uh, it's no big anything, but I got I got an eleven hundred or whatever nice. it is. So, nice. So I'm not, I'm not bothered about that. Uh, yeah. Oh, it just says just it's just better than what you two have done. Just it. <laughs> 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 uh, I do I do love this storyline though. Um, mm-hmm. because as as we learn later, like he, he just doesn't have the confidence in himself. He's clearly a very good football player. That's what we see him doing, talking about for the movie. He's got a lot of hopes. He's been a responsible father. But as soon as the SATs are mentioned, that's where he starts, you know, getting jumpy about things. Like mm-hmm. says he's not confident. He's talking about going to the army uh, when he's talking with Trey. And I think the real tragedy of this movie is when all is said and done. You see his mum open the SAT results, and we see he got enough to to get in. And I think that's that was the that out of everything, that was the moment where that broke my heart a wee bit, you know, to mm-hmm. see because like in his last days he was outing himself and his ability to get that done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that that's the exact thing because um, moments before the drive-by shooting and stuff, Doughboy actually gets into the altercation with Ricky, and. <sighs> And that kind of hit me because I don't know about you. Well, I, I, you you would have want the last time you interact with somebody to be uh, not so pleasant experience. You know what I mean? Like they weren't on good terms. Like you can tell they respected each other's brothers, but they still had a bit of beef that they had to, some, so should we say, squash. But that turned out to be the last 
interaction between Doughboy and Ricky, which is quite a shame if you think about it. Yeah, 100%. I think that's... The movie doesn't shy away from adding drama at those mm-hmm. points where it needs to, you know what I mean, yeah. and adding that tension. Um, and the relationship between Doughboy and Ricky, well, we see was quite good, but that argument wasn't about either of them, really. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That argument was about the mother clearly playing favourites when it came mm-hmm. to them and putting mm-hmm. Ricky as her favourite ahead of Doughboy, which mm-hmm. he resents. So while he was taking it out on Ricky in that moment, which, like you say, and actually ultimately regrets, the movie does a really good job of writing into the script and showing you that the reason for that fight is not because there's any hatred between those two. You know, it's mm-hmm. frustration with regards to the way the mother treated them. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. That's spot on. And as from there, we do get to the big scene. So the bloods roll up onto the crypt set. Yeah, I'm using the terminology here. Fix up, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we start to see the shooting going on. From there, we do see that Trey and Ricky decide to run away into the back alleys. And you just know something bad's going to happen when they say we should split up. <laughs> Guys, it, it's it, it's not for great watching, is it? Is it, Jack? Uh, no, very sad. Very, very sad indeed. Um, mm. Again, I kind of knew it was happening because, as I said, I knew the story beforehand, so I guess it didn't hit me quite as hard as it probably should have, but at the same time... You um, heartless bastard. <laughs> 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 I definitely think it was done done like really well, and again, it, it, it just, I suppose, conveys that perfectly, how how those sort of situations occur um, mm. over, I, I guess, not even rivalry, right? Because it's not even really real rivalry. Mm-hmm. You don't see enough, obviously, and there are altercations for it to be like, there is a reason for these two people to be, uh, these two gangs, sorry, to be fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of false that way, like where you're led to believe that, that they do have some sort of hatred for each other, but there isn't mm-hmm. no real reason for it. And I guess, again, that kind of, comes back to the Romeo and Juliet comparisons where like there's no you don't really know why these two are so <clears throat> so feuding, you know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. no there's no real given reason for it. Uh you just know that they don't like each other. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's I guess that's what's most sad about it is that innocent people are in real life as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um losing their lives because they're just where they grew up and, and having to be sucked into that sort of uh, as you said earlier, hood mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you're constantly having to look over your shoulder. Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? There's a couple of stabbings in Erskine and everybody's on fucking edge, doesn't leave the house for days. Uh, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thinking, think how it must be in, in Compton. Uh, I know. We should have let Truff out loose, and... that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> for the purpose of the police, that was a joke. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, on to on on that note, we do see. I mean, this is this is the thing for me because to me, this stemmed from a push. <laughs> it, uh, it all stemmed yeah. from, and even at that, it was the bloods that pushed into Ricky. But it's that way of. I'm walking here. I I need to I, I need to assert my authority. I need to yeah. let you guys know this is my territory. This is I'm the powerful person here. If you literally this is what they say, if you fuck with me, I'm a fuck with you kind of thing. 
And <laughs> it's like um, it's almost like they're <laughs> they're too what's the word I suppose uh, their integrity is too high like mm-hmm. for each person but when they say something they need to do it so like yeah. when you push each other and you say I'll fucking kill you and mm-hmm. they're like nah you won't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no no but I actually will so then so I mean it, it almost pleases that urge to getting told you can't do something uh, and I'll fucking do it and mm-hmm. I guess I guess that's what the constant struggle is between the two gangs is like it, it never stops because you kill one person the other person retaliates and it's again mm-hmm. it goes back to like fucking Godfather Mafia and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Italian rival family, families and stuff just uh, it's all vendetta um, exactly with no, with no real substance to it like again you know if somebody somebody stole your pack lunch you wouldn't fucking go and kill them um, <laughs> oh they have a fat bastard cut close just not unconscious or something like that would kill what do you mean you stole my piece and have fuck you you're dead <laughs> you're, you're dead <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> is that is that uh, is that the gang mentality thing of you can't if you let if I let you get away with it chaos yeah. then the next uh, you you gotta set an example 100%. and and yeah. that's the problem when you set example there'll be an example of an example of an example of an example and then soon there'll be everyone's dead and that's the problem and it goes back quicker the next part of this movie goes to exactly what we're talking about with Mm -hmm. jack talking about the line with he's he's got all the right he's just in the wrong place but he's got the right situation Doughboy Mm -hmm. doesn't have that and that's where the contrast comes in because Mm -hmm. trey goes into his house and his father tells him to hand him the gun in a brilliantly Mm -hmm. acted scene he still sneaks Mm -hmm. out the window but then he, he hears his father's words in his head and eventually gets out of the car and goes home anyway. Doughboy, because he didn't have that growing up, because he mm-hmm. didn't have that guidance, didn't have the mentor, goes mm-hmm. and chases them down and ultimately doesn't only gun them down, but goes to make sure he finishes the job as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that that's the difference there. That's the movie coming full circle. And you mm-hmm. really realise it's a contrast to these two, three boys who have grew up in the same close proximity and Look how differently fate turned out for all of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I, I like I liked all the twisting and turning, man. It was like I was mm-hmm. at the end, and I didn't know what he was going, what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I was quite, I was glad that he obviously picked the right decision. Again, you're you're kind of banking on being the uh, fate's fool, uh, mm-hmm. and them just ended up just like everyone else. But I guess there is some relief, and there is some that obviously slipped through the sieve that is Compton, um, and and can go on and. You know, make a real life for themselves. That's out with obviously rapping because yeah. you know, that's great as well, obviously. But mm-hmm. you know, I guess there's so many people they can't fucking rap, <laughs> uh, so they've got to have something else to do, I suppose. And then he yeah. obviously is, is interested in. Um, well, I think he was interested in business as well as Ricky. Uh, I think yeah. Ricky probably just copied him in that sense. But you know, he obviously had a strong head on him and, and been had been taught well. So we to see him fall at the last hurdle would have been. A real shame, uh, considering <laughs> what had happened to his mate. So, no, yeah. it's good. Good. It reminds me a wee bit of this uh, upcoming movie called Night Blooms. Almost, it's, uh, it's almost uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, to boys in the hood, but it's like I gay was... boys in the hood. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, like... that was fucking quality, man. Snap Nothing. that out and put it yeah. as the as the, the fucking thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, 
because I was watching it and I have wrote this script that we plan on producing and I was watching this thinking this is exactly the type of movie that I want to make where yeah. like the start it's a slice of life it's real people it's raw and you're relying on not only the strength of your script but the strength of your actors as well and having trust in that creative process like when I say this is a masterpiece it's not just because you enjoy the story it's because you appreciate every single element that went into the making of this movie came together right there was nothing that was miscast. There was nothing that was wrong. Um, and it, like you say, Jack, it, it does it kind of pay homage in that tradition because of all the things that we've said. You know what I mean? There we go. There we go. We'll see on that note, actually, because I want to go dive in deeper on the when Trey gets a gun and obviously Furious is talking him down. What a performance throughout. Guys, you premature ejaculated earlier on. <laughs> I like Jack Gay's fish burn on. <laughs> uh, Jack, the fish board is yours. <laughs> My sweet, sweet prince. <laughs> uh, nah, it's just good, isn't he, man? Uh, that's the youngest I've seen him for a start. Um, so I, it was strange to see him as a, as a young man, uh, you know. Uh, I just fucking loved him. I thought he was class, man. He just played that really really wholesome father figure like it was great it's good to see and i thought um he's not the greatest looking guy is he but i just think you know there's something really really like there is you know what i mean i'd just be i'd be like that's my dad man he's class mm. <laughs> um yeah. but yeah really really enjoy lawrence um always got a lot of time time for the guy uh, i'm sure he says the same about me and he was well, you see, he was young here, he was well into his career by this point because one of his big breakout roles, he lied to get the part in Apocalypse Now when he was like 18. It's oh. uh, like the fact he lied to Francis Ford Coppola, Uncle. So he's like yeah. really young. If you want to see him really young, look him up in that movie. Well, I mean, I have absolutely no idea how many films he made before this, but for me, like, this is because I'm, I'm genuinely just used to The Matrix. And even The Matrix, I know he's not, fucking, he's not ancient, obviously, but he, he just get a completely different kind of. Oh, I think he's, he's the old wise one in that, and I think he's still playing the same thing. But obviously, when you've got a a son that's in in primary school and stuff, you you're only yeah. expecting that he's, he's fairly young enough, you know, to be a hundred percent gathering that. Um, and and, and that's the thing; he, it's important he's in this movie in that role because he's the like we've said throughout it. He's the role model, and he plays that role so well. But what I found interesting is, and it goes back to what you're talking about, Quacko. We're, we're telling the same stories and having to say the same arguments time after time after time again, is that the television comedy show Blackish, he plays the dad in it nowadays. And a lot of the same lessons that he was teaching to, like, Trey in this, he teaches to his fictional son and grandchildren and that, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I found that watching it such a stark and kind of dark contrast because he, in that show he's like a, an alcoholic, like, swindler. As well, so it's like a completely different <laughs> character. But it's real. If you haven't watched Blackish, it's it's genuinely one of the funniest comedies that like of the twenty first century is going to get a shot. But like the contrast when characters aside, the fact that those same lessons and same issues are still having to be talked about so overtly mm -hmm. on television and media, um, just shows you how little like we've uh, progressed when you look at it as a society. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We'll see on that note, actually, because we know that Lars Fishburne, uh, who plays Furies, has a lot of teachings and morals and stuff. 
what one what would you say was like your favorite line or favorite teaching or the one that hit you the most uh, i'm coming to your first truffles on that oh god putting the pressure on i know um, yeah Sorry, I, think, I like doing that yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think when he says like don't respect anyone who doesn't respect you back when he's telling them the lessons as a wee boy in the beach was a good one because it mm-hmm. just tells you so much into that character's psyche that he is a man who doesn't compromise. Like he mm-hmm. makes sure that he does his chores. There's very strict rules, and it doesn't make him a bad boy. Like, because see, when he first goes to live with him, you'd think like the way he was looking, he was like the worst man on the planet. It turns out he's like the best film dad of all time. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, um, but yeah, um, that that was the one. Never respect anyone who doesn't respect you back. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, how about you, Jack? To be honest, I would. I'll be. Uh... I'd be lying if I remembered any particular lines and stuff, but I guess like the most important one for me, <laughs> even though he did actually eventually run away, was when he, um, I just think from an acting point of view, when he comes home and, and finds Trey like loading up the gun and stuff, and I just think he just stands there <laughs> mm-hmm. at the door. Uh, uh, he didn't even really need to say anything like that. He does obviously have a couple of, couple of words with him there, but um, mm-hmm. it, I guess that's just that particular scene I thought was acted for both. Just think that was good. And I think it's again one of the turning points at the end where we didn't know what way it was going to go. But ultimately, you know, even at, at the, the sort of lowest point, he did still you know, listen to his dad uh, when he needed to. So, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. See, for me, it was when he had like a impromptu town hall meeting and he's talking about how there's there's so many gun shops around and stuff. You go up Beverly Hills, which you actually forget, because Elliot is just one of the most, like, segregated, in terms of economies, it's just one of the most, everything's close, but it's just so segregated, because, yeah, you're in South Central LA, not too far away is, like, Beverly Hills, Rodale Drive and all that stuff which is a completely different uh, demographic uh, that you find. And why you say this is so right is the fact that you wouldn't find shops like that in the rich areas. Why would that be? And it's something that you've got to question yourself as to why is that the case? Um, and it's just, it just makes you realise that cause pe- the thing is about um, gang violence and stuff is when people look at it, they don't they don't look at the nuts and crooks of it. They just look at as, uh, this person's bad, this person's bad, this person's bad, and that's the end of it. you got to look at so many different angles as to why is this happening, why is it like this, and what is actually feeding into it. Because the people that are there, they, they, they're into their own system, their own like echo chamber, if you like. like This is what they know. This is all they do. This is all they do. So you gotta wonder what could what um, when people or people always sit on the side of the fringes and go, oh, we need to stop this. It's like they don't actually understand why it's happening before they want to stop it. That was my take on it anyway. Um, so yeah, that was mm-hmm. our little gorgasm of furious, our furiousism, <laughs> if you like. our, our fast and furious. <laughs> Turn out for part twelve of that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yes, we we then move on to the fact that 
Doughboy, he does get his revenge on um, the Bloods. Um, we we did touch on the fact that, yeah, he, he wasn't satisfied just shooting them. He had to make sure they were shot. However, we do skip towards the end of the film where we do see the, the text coming up with what happened after the movie. And you do see the fact that Doughboy gets killed two weeks later. Guys, this is this really captures what the gang is the hood is all about. It's the fact that one person gets killed, that person then uh, gets revenged, and then that revenge, then that revenge. And let's be honest, the only people that truly suffer are the parents. Yeah. The thing is, but that was the one bit of the movie I had an issue with. Because I think that the work is done in the conversation between Trey and Doughboy before that. Because Doughboy already calls it. He says, who knows, maybe someone's going to come and take me out. And we as an audience already know by that point, yeah, that's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the story is sometimes with directors and storytellers, they like to be in control of everything. So, you mm-hmm. know, for a fact, that's what happens after. But I think context already tells us that that's going to happen. So in many ways, it would have mm-hmm. been more powerful without that. I don't know. I that's just do agree. I do agree with I, that. I probably, I probably agree with you, actually. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really need it, does it? Nah. I guess it, I, I could have given me every other one of them and I probably would have been satisfied, but I didn't really care too much about whether they all went on to college and stuff. But yeah. I guess I was quite comfortable with how it ended that well, he's in a good place because he's obviously t- turned it down at that kind of vital moment. It's very unlikely that he's going to have another moment in two years' time when he decides that, nah, fuck that, I'll just go shoot every cunt. <laughs> but, exactly. but going to college doesn't change that you could still fucking do that psychos um, yeah. also are educated um, so you know um, I guess yeah. yeah didn't really need it entirely yeah. well guys on that note we have come to the end of the film so this is where we get to collate all the numbers and everything mm. so I'm going to kick off with the budget. The budget was $6.5 million. Now, I have figures on the box office in North America. Mm-hmm. Anyone want to hazard a guess what it took in? $278 million. My God. I, I just need Jesus to hear more than that, and I'm winning this one. I know it was fairly popular at the time. I know. So. I don't know. Avatar came out in 91. Yeah. I'm going to go for... I'll go for 10. 10. Uh, the box office North America was 57 and a half million. Oof, so, maybe I like yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they did actually really, really well on that. Um, guys, your rating, Jack, I will come to you. What would you give out of 10? So 9.5. 9 po- that is strong right there. I'm just, I'm just never going to give a 10 to anything. Never mind. Well, I'm going to take that as a 10 because you always ring up. It's a Jack against 10. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, is a Jack against 10. I tell you, I think like five. I mean, now you're, you're really, really tempting me to a 10. <laughs> so, I guess it gives it a 10. What about you, I Truffles? <laughs> I, I think that. I'll probably also give it a 10. We didn't even touch on like Cuba Gooding Jr. This is basically like his first film. 
and nails the leading role in this and he got obviously goes on to success in the 90s with Jerry Maguire which he won the Oscar for if you haven't seen Jerry Maguire go and check mm-hmm. it out he reunites with uh, we haven't talked to Angela Bassett in this movie is an old icon and Regina King who goes on to to star in a lot more um, of John Singleton's movies and eventually becomes a director herself directing One Night in Miami came out last year this movie mm-hmm. and what it did I'm for Watchmen as well aren't you Yes, Watchmen, Emmy winner nomination for that at the very least, I think, as yeah. well. Like she was yeah. fucking she was I think class. what this movie and what John Singleton himself did for mm-hmm. Black Voices in cinema cannot be overstated. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. John Singleton left us uh, in 2019. And Jack, you'll love this. It Who's was that way? Uh, heaven. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, like how, I like how you asked him. He's like, the next question, did they go by first class? And <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a tribute to him, Kevin Gooden Jr. sang one of his favourite songs for him after his death, which was One Day More from Lee Miz. Uh, I haven't been able to find footage of it, but if I do, Mr Jack Higgins, I will send that over to you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think that this is such a landmark movie. It's kind of, you know, one of the ones where I should have watched it years ago. I'm happy finally with this uh, podcast. That's why we did this podcast, forces mm-hmm. to watch the stuff that we've been putting off, and I'm glad mm-hmm. I haven't put this off any longer. It was great. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, see, I was going to touch on uh, especially Cooper Gooding Jr. because he appears uh, in a cameo in one of my favourite films all time, Coming to America. Um, but what basically happened was uh, Jack got a little orgasm over Lawrence Fishburne and it got, <laughs> it, 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 he got like, bumped. <laughs> yeah, it, let's just say it got jizzed all over. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so that, another disclaimer for you guys from me, right? Now, before I watched this film, there were certain bits that I laughed at that I shouldn't have laughed at. And the reason being is because before I watched this film years ago, I watched a film called don't be a menace in South Central where you're drinking juice uh, during Juice in the Hood. Watch, it's basically a Wayne's Brother film. Yeah. And it's, it's like, uh, to put it this way, it's like what Scary Movie is to Scream. Scream? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I get so, what you mean. Yeah, because I, I can't I watch Star Wars now, the original trilogy, without thinking of like Blue Harvest. Right, you know what okay. I mean? So I have, get what you mean. Have you guys seen that film before yet? I haven't, no. Maybe it's a future episode. Yeah, well, well I'll happily host it. Um, oh, would you, maybe, I, or would you call me? Do you know what happens is, I come on the show and I go, yeah, Truffles is racist, but it's actually me. <laughs> I can't you on, like, the whitest film of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, sign me up for white chicks, please. Amazing. <laughs> 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 I so I I think we should because I do I do love uh, don't be a hood uh, don't be a menace it's a, such a shit film like the production's not great but that's the charm of it I just think I just love the film and when I saw bits of boys in the hood and you see when Trey came in after Ricky got shot and he was punching around and stuff. Yeah. I laughed at that because there's a particular scene in Don't Be a Menace where they mimic that and it's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shouldn't have laughed, but I did because they were just mimicking that and uh, 
you guys need to watch it and also watch yes. the Friday films. I'll host that as well. Fuck it, let's make it happen, guys. No, no, Don't. you're you're hosting a, a Rock of Ages relook after this show. That's that's your that's your job. Quackeraji has resigned from first. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good, such a good movie. Truffles, do we have news? No news. No news. <laughs> no. <laughs> to be honest, there's there, sometimes there's a movie that's so good you don't want to talk about anything else. Mm-hmm. The, it's the bad movies that we rush through to get to the news. That's when you know it's been. We haven't really enjoyed it. <laughs> this movie, I think, we've said enough for today. Okay. Um. Well. And there we go. Uh, Trough uh, well and truly took an Uzi and shot through the news because there was no news. Uh, <laughs> and in two weeks' time, unfortunately, Trough gets taken out by Jon Snow because there was no news. <laughs> Class. <laughs> and then Natasha Koplinski takes out Jon Snow. This, this will be some tragedy happening. It sounds like a good movie. I know. <laughs> it, it, does, it actually does sound like a good movie. Yeah. If only we knew a director that could do this. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, folks, that has been about it for first time films. Now, folks, keep yourself safe. Don't push into anyone because you know what can happen. I have been your host today. I am Quacker, and I've been joined by Jackie Hagizzle. Give us a shout out, Jack. What up? That is my new, that is my new nickname. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> Just, uh, just one for my, my boy Fishburn. Um, exactly. Glad, glad to be here. Glad to, you know, giving the man his respect that he deserves. Definitely respect. Yeah. Thank, thanks, thanks for holding for it down. Yeah. No. Thanks for holding it down. And also to the chief gang member, the gang banger himself, Trough. What up? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 I have. I have been quacker, keeping it easy. Make sure you keep it locked on First Time Films. I'll catch you soon with another black film. Peace out. Bye.